have a picture here on the slide. This is actually called, uh, this. I don't know if you can really see it, but it's a little piece of water and it's called a, a dambo. A dambo. You know what that is, Gary? From your, from your days in Africa? A dambo. A dambo is a, is a series of wetlands. Yeah, a dambo is a series of wetlands. So this uh, dambo is actually in, um, in Africa. It's in uh, Zambia, which is uh, this actually dambo, a little piece of wetlands, is in the north northwest part of Zambia. And it's at the point, it's not really that impressive. In fact, this little wetland dambo, you could actually stride either side. You can see, can't see where my feet are, but you can imagine shoulder width apart. That's how wide this is. But this little piece of water actually is the source of the beginning of the mighty Zambezi wa- uh, River. Yeah. So you see in the next slide how the Zambezi River, go back one, yeah, yeah. So, so that it just forms this massive, uh, this river. And it uh, travels a distance, uh, ultimately it travels a distance of 3,500 kilometers. Remember the very beginning, that source in which it was found. It actually goes through six different countries, as we see in the next slide here. And it begins in Zambia, then it goes through Angola, where Gary and Doreen, you were in Angola for a while, ministering. And then it goes down to Namibia. Botswana, into Zimbabwe, Mozambique, and then it flows into the Indian Ocean. It's incredible. The Zambezi River is the fourth largest river in all of Africa, and it's the largest river on the east coast of Africa. And it's just incredible how big it is and what it does as well. It's also known as the River of Life because it provides life to so many people. On the shores and the banks, hard to see here from this, uh, this picture, but many people live on the shores of the Zambezi River, and it provides life for them. It provides uh, water, obviously. It provides food. They're able to fish on that. And it provides it's the river of life for animals as well, as you see in the next slide, where elephants and hippopotamus and crocodiles and it provides life for lions and all these different types of animals in uh, in Africa. It eventually, if you trace it, it's very fascinating, the Zambezi River eventually about the halfway point it comes to this slide and how many people know what this is? This is Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls is huge. I understand if this doesn't make any sense to my brain but 500 million liters of water per minute fall over Victoria Falls. Does that make any sense to you? It doesn't make any sense to me, but that's a lot of water. 500 million liters of water per minute flow over the Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls is huge. It's basically roughly twice as high as Niagara Falls and roughly twice as wide as Niagara Falls. So it's just massive. And this little river, which had its beginning way back in that wetland, it provides power and hydro, big hydroelectric plants flow throughout the river, and eventually it makes its way all, t- all the way to this beautiful spot in the uh, Indian Ocean. We see that next one. So it's a huge, uh, it's a huge river. It uh, provides life to so many people, flows through so many countries, uh, provides power, energy, transportation. But kind of the point is, if you just go back here, it began with this small little source. It began with this small little 
wetland, dambo that you could actually stride over. That's how small it was, but it flowed into this huge, powerful river. End of sermon. Go home. No, no. But, okay, yeah, we'll go home. <laughs> no, just wait a second. Uh, but, you know, as I was thinking about that, I really think about this is how God works in the, the history of the world. God begins with a small source, one person, Abraham. And out of this one person, as we've seen and we'll see even more today, God uses this one, pers- one person and this mighty river just begins to flow. And God blesses, impacts the whole world. Where today I understand like there's 15,000 people today that are coming to Christ in China. 15,000 people alone today are coming to China. And so it just begins to flow this mighty river that began with this small little source in one person. And here we are today. So I want to talk today about how God actually blesses the world and how we can be part of this exciting mighty river that is flowing, impacting so many people today. So I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, please. Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to look again at verses 1 through 3. If you've been with us the last uh, few weeks, we have been doing this uh, mini-series called uh, Bless the Neighborhood. And so we began two weeks ago, I began two weeks ago by introducing the theme of how God blesses the, the world, talked about we are blessed to be, remember that phrase, we're blessed to be a blessing, okay, that's good, I know it's church and it's early morning, but stay with me here on this, okay, uh, so we are blessed to be a blessing, that's right, and so God blesses us, God blessed Abraham, Abraham for a purpose, that is to be, to be a blessing, so I talked about that. Ken last week talked about blessing the neighborhood, uh, being the blessing in the neighborhood. Actually, next Sunday is exciting. We have Teen Challenge coming here. And they have a wonderful ministry actually in blessing people in the neighborhood. So they're going to be here leading part of the service. So that's something to look forward to. But today, as we finish up this series, I want to talk specifically on blessing the world. And I want to look again at Genesis chapter 12 because we started there, but in many ways it forms the whole foundation for this series. So in Genesis chapter 12, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. We'll look at verse, uh, yeah, I'll start reading at verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1, and it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, which is eventually going to be Canaan, the promised land. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the promise, the covenant that God begins with Abram, that God is going to bless Abram. Eventually his name will become Abraham. And out of that, Abraham is going to be a blessing, that small little trickle of water, Abraham. And out of this, this mighty river is going to flow where God is actually going to bless the whole world, all the nations of the world. And so it's very exciting what God has chosen to do and what God is doing. And you can just trace that all the way through. In some ways, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, it's sort of like a mega theme in the Bible, this whole thing about blessing. 
Talked uh, two weeks ago about the, the word blessing, and uh, is sometimes it can be used as one of these, you know, religious words, you know, God bless you, and kind of has lost its impact. But remember we chatted about uh, the Hebrew word, remember that Hebrew word for blessing? Remember that word? Yeah, Barak, that's right. Barak, and then the, the New Testament word, remember that, is... Something. No, that, that was Barak. Barak, okay. Excuse me. Uh, the other one is a little softer. It's Makarios, right? It's the Old Testament where you have to clear your throat. And it's kind of, so in the Old Testament, it literally means to kneel. So you can understand that as we bless God, we kneel. We offer up our lives, our praise, our worship. We offer up our lives to God. We bless God. But God, we're told, blesses us. And when God blesses us, when he blessed Abraham, blesses his people, it means that um, we experience God's favor. Remember that? We experience God's favor, his blessing. We experience his shalom. And shalom, we said, is a lot more than just bigger than peace. It means a sense of wholeness, well-being. Everything is in order, right? And in the New Testament, makarios, it can mean happy. You know, so some people translate the Beatitudes, happy are the poor in spirit. Not happy in the sense of, you know... Every, uh, because our happiness often depends on our circumstances, right? If it's a rainy day, uh, I don't feel so good today. But it's a sunny day, everything's great, got lots of money in my bank account, and all my relationships in order, I'm happy. But makarios is self-contained happiness, a sense of well-being. It's a sense that I am blessed because my happiness is contained in Jesus. And in Jesus, I have Everything I need for life. And when you realize that, you are happy. You are blessed. You are right on. Remember we said that? You are a lucky bum, as one theologian said, because you are, you're experiencing the shalom of God. Hmm, that's pretty good, isn't it? The shalom of God. And God calls us not just to, well, thank you, thank you, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. But we're also called to what? To be a blessing, right? And so we're called to, in that in our own personal lives, in our own, in our neighborhood, which Ken talked about last week, we encourage you to write down something on our card where God is speaking to you about being a, to bless the neighborhood. How's that going? Where God kind of, you know, prompt you about how you can be a, a blessing. But even as bigger than that too, this whole thing about blessing the world. And we just see this great theme through the Bible about we're blessed to be a blessing. So it began with Abraham. Abraham, And then, uh, then uh, Isaac. And then Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons. Became the 12 tribes of Israel. You see the river getting bigger and flowing and flowing. And out of that was the, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. They were to be a blessing, not just to themselves, but to the whole world. And then ultimately this comes to fulfillment in who? In, in Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus of Nazareth is the ultimate fulfillment of this. You read that in Galatians 3, we looked at that. And this whole sense that Jesus Christ, he died for us, for me, for you, for us, for the world. He died on a cross and he took all the sin and it was put upon him. I love that song we sang today. Well, it was a great line that, what did it say? And on that day, he, who led today? Doug. And he, he breathed that, his first breath that morning. Huh? I just thought of that. What a great image. Oh, you know, he's dead. And all of a sudden, oh, he comes alive. 
Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And he's alive, right? He's alive. And we're blessed. We are fortunate because of that. And any person, any person, it doesn't matter where you were born. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter what you've done. You say, man, I've done some awful things in your life. Well, welcome to the club, you know. Well, it doesn't matter. Any person who repents, turns from their sin, and puts their faith in the living God, Jesus, he comes to live in you through his Holy Spirit. And you are blessed. And it's not just for you. It's for you to go and for us to go to be a blessing to the world. And then we see that in the early church. This early church, it just began with this, again, this small trickle, this little, little tiny wetland with three and then 12 disciples. And then it grew and it grew. And the church had this massive impact on blessing and changing the world. And we today are invited to be part of this. It's incredible. I was reading um, something, yeah, by, there's a book out by Rodney Stark, and his book is this, The Rise of Christianity, How the Obscure, Marginal Jesus Movement Became the Dominant Religious Force in the Western World in a Few Centuries. He's a sociologist, a fairly well-known book. And what he does, he traces the growth of Christianity from, from year one. So we see in year, I think it's, what is it, year 40, there were a thousand Christians the percent of the population is, you know, next to nothing, 0.0017% of the population. But just see as we go through this quickly how it grows. Year 50, and then let's just keep going here. Year 100, 150. Year, let's just stop at the next one. Go please. to Year 200, and there's 217,000 Christians. Again, it's still pretty small, huh? 0.36% of the population. But then look what happens. Year 250 is 1.9% of the population. Year 300, it jumps up to 6 million Christians in the world, 10.5% of the population. And in the year 350, there's 33 million Christians, they say, at almost 57% of the population. And just grew. The church, I mean, it was like this little piece of, this little, little wetland. But the Holy Spirit got hold of things, and the church grew and grew and grew to what it was. And people will say, well, because of Constantine, who was the emperor. Well, sure. But that's a small part of it. That's a small part of it. In his book, if you read it, Rodney Stark, sociologist, he said four, there were four factors. One of the factors was that there were these social networks. So Christians, they lived together. They, they, they cared for each other. They, they served together. That was one factor. The second factor was that they understood their calling was to bless the world. They got it. They knew it was not just about us four no more. It was about us being a blessing to the world. And so they, the way they cared for the poor, the marginalized, the orphans, the widows, it was like revolutionary back there. They understood that was their calling to bless the world. Interesting, the other factor he says that they had a theology of love. 
which kind of encompasses everything else. They understood that their calling was to love one another. And what's interesting in that time in the early church is that there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of strife. There was wars going on. There were lots of diseases and plagues and riots. And what happened, what most people would do, because when that happened in the big cities, guess where people went? They fled. They left the big cities. But the Christians didn't. I'm sure some did. But the early Christians didn't. They refused to just run away. They went back into the cities because they realized they had a calling to help out those people in need. So they got it. They may not use the term blessing the world, but they understood that. They understood they had been blessed, but they understood they went out back into the world to bless the world. And the church grew and grew and grew and grew to what it is today. Oh, I know, I know. We've had our bad moments in the church. I know that. But there's nothing like the church when it's living in the power of the Spirit doing what God calls the church to do. Nothing like it. The church has been used to transform, to bless the world. Seeing people come to Christ, seeing helping those in need, seeing dealing with justice and that. You look at the church and it's done that when it's been in its good moments. And be very careful to always, always be criticizing the church. Be really careful about that. Because in the book of Acts, it says Jesus shed his blood for the church. So be careful. I understand, you know, grumble, grumble sometimes about the local church. But be careful. Because God has chosen to use the church, us, to bless the world. And so we see that. We uh, see how God has been, been doing that and continues to do that in the world. And so kind of the idea I want to kind of, I'm not, we're not finished yet, so don't worry. But so what, the idea I want to kind of give us today is to pray for and be the people God is using to bless the world. To pray for and be the people God is using to bless the world. Because there are people in here in our own midst who are out there we send to be part of blessing the world. There was a group of people that were Moravians and they experienced persecution in the 1700s in Europe. And they uh, fled and they came to a, a place in Germany, in Saxony in Germany. And as they were on this uh, home, they were on the grounds of this person who owned an estate. And they were Christians, but they were bickering, these Moravians. And the, the owner of the estate said, why don't you just stop bickering and why don't you start praying? And so this small group of Moravians, they began to pray. And we see here, the Moravian community in Saxony in 1727 commenced a round-the-clock prayer watch that continued, ready for this, nonstop for over a hundred years. This prayer meeting started, obviously everyone wasn't there for a hundred years, but this prayer meeting started and it kept going every day for a hundred years. And one of the things in this article it says, if we see the next slide, in fact, by 1791, 65 years after commencement of this prayer meeting, vigil, the small Moravian community had sent 300 missionaries to the ends of the earth. Isn't that amazing? Became one of the largest missionary for people are praying. And God sent these people to bless the world.
So we pray for, and we're called to be the people God is using to bless the world. And so what began as a small little trickle with Abraham is now this irresistible revolution of Jesus' followers on the move, blessing the world. And we're encouraged to join together in prayer, in prayer. You know, we often hear, I often hear people say prayer is something you do for the work. I don't believe that. I believe prayer is the work. Sometimes we talk about this, you know, this fellowship and this worship and evangelism and mission and discipleship. Oh yeah, one more thing and pray. But I don't, I I believe as, as God's people pray, the work happens. I believe that. And the missions happen because we're praying. The evangelism happens because praying. The social justice happens because God's people are praying. And God invites us to be part of this exciting journey. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for how you began with this one person, Abram. This small little trickle of water. And out of that, you gave birth to the the nation of Israel to bless the nations and ultimately through Jesus. I pray, Lord, that I thank you for how you are allowing us as a church, even as we heard today, to partner with people to bless the world. I pray, Lord, that maybe for some of us, you are calling us to go to other parts of the world to be a blessing. I pray that we would pray for these people as well. I pray, Lord, that more and more that we would be a a house of prayer that blesses the nations of the world. We thank you for this incredible privilege of being able to partner with you. In Jesus' name, amen.